lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf, filling out mock drafts leading up to the actual draft in April, filling out March Madness brackets that are going to be dumpster fires within the first weekend of the tournament here. But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Whether you're hosting game day or movie night, DiGiorno knows that planning a wash party on a budget isn't easy. You need the perfect setting, the perfect squad, and the perfect eats. Luckily, you're a game time mastermind, and you know that grabbing DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza can bring home a dub because it's packed with half a pound of cheese, sauce, and other toppings and comes at an incredible price. Make the game-winning call and grab a DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza from the grocery store today. It's not delivery, it's DiGiorno. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golick. Mike Golick Jr., Mike Golick Sr., Jesse Cofield holding it down for us in Boston. We are brought to you right by Wrangler, made for the ride of life. Save 15% in your first Wrangler.com order with promo code Gojo15. Great show for you guys. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us that five-star rating. I'm serious. And watch <laughs> us 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern live Monday through Friday on DraftKingsNetwork.com, DraftKings YouTube channel, Samsung TV Plus, or any of the other fine places that you can see us. Got a banger today. Uh, Baltimore Ravens Ring of Honor member as of this weekend, Terrell Suggs, going to stop by. Got a chance to talk to him yesterday about his upcoming weekend. And Tyler Conklin, tight end for the Jets, a team that we'll find out how much the Aaron Rodgers benefit from the sideline that Rob Sala <laughs> yeah. keeps talking about in public has actually made its way to the rest of that locker room, Dad. But uh, it, it, it is uh, an interesting morning. We got a lot to get to, a lot of baseball from last night, but. A Thursday night football game that ended up a little bit more compelling than I think most of us thought around halftime of that game as a Saints offense that looked listless for much of the night and rode Alvin Kamara until the brakes came off, made just enough plays to lose by one, a lot like me at the blackjack table. Yeah, there you go. Just enough. Exactly right. Boy, the boo birds were out. Uh, as the as the Saints offense kept Ooh, jogging off the field. That uh, got for, ugly for one, early it really, in that game, man. It really did. But I'm going to tell you the stat line that got me for the night. So here you have Trevor Lawrence coming off a knee, not sure he's going to play. Short week, you know, all of a sudden playing on Thursday. And where, you know, had the knee brace on. We saw pictures of that when he was wearing it. He ends up leading Jacksonville in rushing. I mean, (laughs) if I'm a saint, I'm stunned because the last thing in the world I'm worried about is Trevor Lawrence. I get it moving in the pocket to, you know, find an open guy or buy time, but running, he had a long run of 26 yards and was it eight carries for 59 yards. He averaged about seven and a half yards a carry. 
Not going to lie, didn't have that one on the bingo card at all. Never expected that. And obviously, New Orleans didn't either. The amount of time and broadcast bandwidth they spent on close-up zoom shots of the knee brace on Trevor Lawrence's knee and talked about how he had never worn a knee brace in high school or college. (laughs) And guess what? It didn't freaking matter. America's team, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they were all in scrambles, right? It's not like he's a designed rusher, but he's one that's incredibly athletic and adept. Getting out of the pocket and making moves. I've likened him to Justin Herbert if he took an edible as far as play style. All the same big, strong, fast, good stuff. Just a little bit smoother, the long hair, a little bit more flow to it. And, Dad, that was a lot of the difference in the game for a Jags offense that really has a post-first drive problem, right? Early in games, the Jacksonville Jaguars offense is this beautiful tapestry of different plays, and they stretch the whole field east and west, and they have all these wrinkles built in, and you see it in this beautiful first drive that goes and culminates in an easy touchdown to start the game, and then you spend the rest of the game sort of looking and searching for some version of that offense as it gets a bit stagnant in this game. Dad, the only thing they had to hang their hat on was the fact that no matter how Jacksonville tried to give this way game away to the New Orleans Saints, especially early on, New Orleans was having nothing to do with it. They lose this game, Dad, and everyone is going to point to Foster Moreau and the right, image of him right. dropping yeah, a sure touchdown yeah. on third and eight down by the goal line in the waning seconds of this game. And Foster Moreau, who feels terrible and who at that moment is going to do what every player has done and blame themselves for the yep. biggest mistake in their game. But I will go all the way back to the first quarter of this game when in back-to-back drives, you have got a fumble by Christian Kirk that gives the uh, Saints the ball in press right. territory that they do nothing with. And then you've got the muffed punt where a player on the Jags team gets blocked right into the return man, knocks him flat on his ass, and the Saints take over with the ball. And out of those two turnovers, they manage a Blake Groupie field goal. That's all they got out of that in that instance. And so once that swing happened, I went, okay, the Jags are going to be fine in this one because the Saints are not actually interested in winning this football game. I I want a a quick aside on the, the fumble because I had the same thing in my game on Monday night where that, that you were at there with me with the, and it was interesting how, and I think you're going to see more of it. The gunner running straight to the receiver, to the to the punt returner, and the the guy on the return team that's blocking him is looking at the gunner and not the returner. So now you're seeing the gunner run right at the returner and and block, push the guy from the return team into the returner, which is completely legal. As long as you're engaged and it's blocked into the returner, that's legal because the ball actually hit the guy getting blocked into the punt returner. So think about that when you're going to film. You got you were getting pushed by the gunner into your own return, man, and then the ball hit you, so it's a live ball, and it goes to the other team. So I think you're going to see more and more. It, it was a great well, play. I, I I think you're, it is a great play. And God, to have to look at your buddy who's on the ground, too, because I think it was yes. Agnew, the returner. Yeah, it got like hurt. He was in considerable pain, yes, too, after it that. Did. Doug Peterson actually gave a really good answer on that on the sideline during the game when he was talking to Kaylee Hartung, which is that's a communication issue. On most punt situations, you hear, and Doug Peterson talked about it there, the noise inside the dome. <clears throat> right, right. 
has an effect on the communication because normally you get the punt returner yelling out commands. Right. Usually, you know, it's Peter or fire or something to let guys know to get away from the football around there. Right. right. So you can avoid situations like that. There's kind of a cliff, especially when the ball starts coming up, but the effect of being inside that dome, one of the more raucous environments yeah. in the NFL couldn't hear him. And so he comes up, can't communicate. And the results are exactly what they are. So I, what did you think? So I, you're right. I mean, this, this was offensively a, an ugly game. But, yeah. you know, the, the Saints do get a score with, what, 10 minutes left in the third to make it 17-9. Then Jacksonville gets a pick six. And you think, okay, 24-9, to nine, the way the Saints offense is going, ain't nothing happening here. And then there you go with 732 to go in the game, fourth down, and it wasn't even a yard. It was about an inch that Jacksonville had to go. And in, in all honesty, the way Trevor was running, I'd have lined up in the in the you know the brotherly shove, uh, but they, I'm sure they didn't want to because of his knee. They get stuffed on that play and right at midfield. So New Orleans gets great field position. And all of a sudden the New Orleans offense wakes up three plays later. They're in the end zone. You're like, Okay, with Alave and with Thomas and with Kamara, who had 29 touches in this game, as you said correctly, they were riding him, both rushing the ball uh, and and catching passes as well. But three plays, and they're in the end zone, you know, and they and they tie this ball game up, and you're like, oh my god, where did this come from? Before Jacksonville goes back down, and they get the the really the catch and run by Kirk, who did a, had a great run and how somehow running through the defense of the Saints in that one to get the touchdown before you get that drop. What was it? 30, I think 32 seconds to go uh, in, yeah, in the game. There's about 30 seconds left in third, the game. Third and eight. And as you mentioned, Moreau, I mean, right in his hands. And that dude couldn't have felt worse. He sat on the the, the bench even after the game, just sitting there. And, and you could see it. You know, listen, the ball's in your hands. You got to catch it. But as you mentioned, and even as as Carr said after the game in the pressers, like, listen, nobody blames him. There were so many plays in that game where that offense was inept or they had other chances. Yeah. You mentioned two of them off the turnovers where they got three points out of two turnovers. So, yeah, while Moreau is going to feel horrible, and I'm sure that, you know, some players are like, come on, you got to catch the ball. Players realize there are way more plays that cost you than that one. Yeah, you're always more worried about the mistake you know you made that's yes, going to exactly. show up that just yep. didn't happen to be one of the last plays of the right. game. In that right. case, the second to last play. Going back to that fourth and one call, Dad, I I can't imagine people are going to quibble much with the decision. That was as when they say fourth and inches, sometimes oh. it's not fourth and inches. This was so literally true. like fourth and maybe an inch. I am I do not understand the decision not to put him under center. I, yeah. under, I I get it. You were worried about the injury, maybe, but you'd seen him moving around. You'd see unless Agreed. there was actually a physical problem that you had identified during the week and said the guy can't go under center and make this happen. We're too worried about that. You got to go and get it. You've got. They talked about this in the broadcast. They've got one game in the next 23 days based on how their schedule works out here. You've got the mini buy coming off Thursday night football. You've got one game in Pittsburgh in the midst of all of this, and then your actual buy after that. So you are going to have plenty of time to rest Trevor Lawrence after yeah, this game yeah. and get this win. I love the idea of that in go territory right there to try and just take and win the game, but right. lining up in shotgun. I'm not even usually that guy, Dad. Down on the goal line in fourth and short situations, if you've got a great gun play, you get your back some downfield momentum, 
momentum, all that stuff. I'm usually not that averse to it. But in this particular instance, it made my skin crawl when you're that close and you don't just put your large boy quarterback under right. center and Listen, shove his ass to the promised land. You're, you're starting the, the play five yards deep when you need an inch to go for the first down on a shotgun. It, it is yeah. stunning to me. And I and the only thing I can think of, Mike, is there's one thing to running. So sure. here's here's the way I, I would I would make people kind of picture it. There's running down the field, which he did, and then imagine putting your shoulder into a blocking sled and driving it because yep. that's more what he would have to do on a uh, on a quarterback sneak, right? Because he's going to get resistance. He's going to have to be driving with his legs. Maybe they didn't want to do that. I don't know, uh, but but I but if nothing else, I I I, I was stunned by that. I I completely agree with you, and I know. And then going to um, the fourth down after Moreau drops the ball, I, I know how. Didn't they? Didn't they try a? Um, your they favorite try to play? They tried a goal line fade. Yes. Yeah. Which, your, your favorite play, which some, I mean, nowhere near. Oh, <laughs> well, I mean. That was, first off, somewhere Mina Kimes on maternity leave was yeah. just absolutely <laughs> beside herself, hater of the goal line fade. Yeah. But, Dad, that did underscore. You look at the takeaways from this game. New Orleans had to shuffle an offensive line so much that it really seemed to limit what they were willing to pl call play-wise. I don't know if it would have been much better because this offense is a remnant of the old world, right? With a quarterback in Derek Carr that's not a mobile guy that you're going to be able to use in a lot right, of those right. ways, what you get is an offense that still looks like it's being run for Drew Brees without Drew Brees at quarterback, where you could for so long drop a guy back have him be the center of it because you had one of the most accurate quarterbacks of all time and a host of weapons. Derek Carr is a very good quarterback. He's not a transcendent quarterback. And so putting him at the helm of that offense so far hasn't yielded those kind of results. They've got a defense that can keep them close in games like this. And you're going to have to play a bunch of low margin for error games in a division that is infinitely winnable with one of the easiest schedules in the NFL. That's going to be how they go about this, but it's not an aesthetically pleasing football team to watch and certainly not one built for a shooting out and on the other side for the Jags they've got a defense right now on the back end that is hyper aggressive their game script is hey we're going to come out fast on offense with all of our best punches to begin with and then we're going to hope that our defense which Hold is right off. in the back end yeah. Andre Cisco and those guys continue to force turnovers and make things happen to bail out the fact that the offense becomes a little bland and a little vanilla and you're still not getting the best out of Calvin Ridley on a consistent down in down out basis which is going to make it pretty tough for this team. Trevor Lawrence didn't look great for large portions of that game last night. They got bailed out of the interception later on because just because um, the uh, DB managed to drop it, but a poorly thrown a poorly thrown ball behind the yeah. receiver that almost yeah. undercut their uh, success later in that game. So neither team you come out feeling great about necessarily, but the bottom line is the Jags have won four straight now, and they are heading into a stretch where they're going to get a chance to rest up and self scout a little bit going into the rest of the year. I'm surprised, Mike, with these numbers for the Saints: sixteen twenty. 17, 9, they did put up 34 then, 13, and then 24 in this one. I thought this offense would be score more. I, I yeah. thought it would be with Alave, with Michael Thomas, kind of looking like the old Michael Thomas, Kamara after a suspension, getting the touches, getting the yards. I know the old line is shuffled around. We've talked about that. But I, I'm trying to figure out what what's the problem, you know, with, with this offense. Where, where, where are they going wrong? Now, you bring in Carr, you, you you know it's a guy who's thrown for some yards, but just six touchdowns to four interceptions. That's been because I I picked them to win this division, and God knows anybody can still win this division except for Carolina. Uh, but I, I've been surprised at their lack of offensive firepower. 
Yeah, and you've gotten some good stuff. Michael Thomas made a couple big plays late for yep. them on that drive coming off that fourth and one. But, Dan, I do just think it's an offense that's very stagnant right now. So much of the NFL we see is coordinators giving their players a chance schematically before the snap even happens. And it just seems like this and a couple of other offenses that are remnants of that old guard – we talked about this with Aaron Rodgers and the Jets or anyone who runs that West Coast offenses. It's a lot of, hey, we're going to put our guys out where they're at and expect them to make plays. And right, when that right. doesn't happen and when you don't have guys consistently doing that, all of a sudden this thing can start to stall out and you get the results that you get right now with the New Orleans Saints, who still have a great defense, who had a front seven yeah, that showed up yeah. in multiple instances late, but just does not have the offensive firepower to go crazy in these games right now. So the Jags, five and two. And at the top of the AFC South, yeah. though, so they've done enough in this division. Both of these teams are, hey, you really just got to do so much to win the NFC or the AFC South in this season. Uh, Dad, you may I mean, not yes, have to I, I'm with you because real quick, think about it. As we said, the Colts have a backup quarterback the rest of the year. The Texans still have a rookie quarterback. And, and we talked about this yesterday. You still wait for Vrabel and the Tennessee Titans, right? I know they're sitting at two and four, but there's just something about that team. You're just kind of waiting to see them make some kind of mucking run, you know, that, that they could do. It's not flashy by any stretch. So we'll see. But right now, Jacksonville in control. No, lurking in the background right now. Much apparently, uh, Jesse, if we're to believe some of the reports out there in college football, lurking in the background, much like a Michigan staffer potentially trying to decipher some signals here. This was. A very interesting day of college football headlines, Jesse. What do you got for us on the Jim Harbaugh front here? Yeah, okay. So Dan Wetzel is reporting that the NCAA is investigating Michigan for possibly scouting opponents in person in an alleged attempt to ascertain certain play-calling signs. So guys, sign stealing, not against NCAA rules, but in-person scouting is. So that's the issue here. And for the record, Jim Harbaugh has come out and said he's surprised as anybody else that this is happening. He he has no knowledge of this, has not directed any staffers to do anything about this, and is saying he will fully cooperate and his staff will fully cooperate with the investigation. Yeah, we're all trying to find the guy, guy who, who did, did this, this hot yeah. dog yeah. meme right now. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah, in yeah. the mirror, uh, the mirror meme. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's so interesting, Dad, because Science stealing, like Jesse mentioned, not illegal. And we've seen this not come illegal. up prominently in college football discussions surrounding Clemson when Brent Venables was there for long stretches, then playing Ohio State in the, uh, in the CFP one year, Ohio State electing to huddle a lot more in that game to counteract what they had seen and what a lot of people had talked about in college football anecdotally was this idea that Clemson had been looking and picking signs, which we've talked about in baseball a ton because of the Astros and all the trash can banging or the Patriots in recent years and Spygate and all those things. Dad, this investigation is really going to be twofold because there's one specific stacked, uh, staffer, Connor Stallions, who's a former Marine Corps uh, veteran, retired captain in the Marine Corps. Sounds like a made-up name. Sure who's does. person's interest in all of this, who apparently, according to sources, is the one that a lot of people looked at or viewed as in charge of trying to use the TV copy to go over science, which, again, not illegal. Not illegal. Doing what's available. Right, right. But, uh, Dad... Jesse mentioned the in-person portion of it. That's been illegal since 1994, largely because of budget reasons. That was a thing where most teams wouldn't be able to afford to send staffers to all these road games to scout in advance. So it was done in theory to even the playing field there. This is really about, I think, two things. One, 
the perception Michigan tries to put out there and Jim Harbaugh, who in a 2017 book um, by John Bacon's book, Overtime, Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines at the crossroads of college football had that quote that famously said, it's hard to beat the cheaters talking about the SEC and recruiting against those conferences. When you've positioned yourself as the school of note in doing it the right way, this becomes interesting optics that people are obviously going to latch on to. And then really the nuts and bolts is, do they find anything that says Michigan used video or electronics in the uh, in their right. version of stealing signs and going above and beyond the way we saw with the Astros and others in Major League Baseball? So sign stealing violates NCAA rules if a team uses, as Mike said, electronic equipment to decipher signals and relay the information to players and coaches coaches so when we know and that's the wild thing it was you as you said for budgetary reasons to not be able to send people to do this get the head receivers right put put the electronics so the coach can tell the 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 player, the, the quarterback, the play, put the radio, the put the radio, put the radios saying, put in the, the helmet. Yeah. yeah. Andy's Andy Staples over at on put, three. Yes. I saw offered that to the timeline. Put the receivers put the radio, in the helmet. Just like put the, you got in the yes. NFL. It's, it's amazing. People would need to understand how the NCA hates to copycat yes. NFL rules. It's amazing. They're like little kids in this. Just put the receivers in the helmets so you can tell the quarterback and your defensive captain what the calls are and the discussion because you get your signs stolen. It's your own fault. Yeah, I guess that's what this ultimately comes down to is, yeah, Michigan looks kind of silly because of how they've positioned themselves. And if they did use electronic devices to steal signs, then obviously this is going to become a bigger issue. But just on the surface, sign stealing in and of itself, while flirting with the line is never something I'm going to respond all that strongly to for all the reasons that we know in the backdrop of sports. No sign stealing necessary last night in Major League Baseball for a couple of stars. It's the most wonderful time of the year. March Madness getting ready to go in college basketball. And we got some of the best stars in the sport finally trying to close the deal. Zach Eady at Purdue trying to see if he can cap off an historic career with a championship. Much like his counterpart on the women's side and Caitlin Clark, who's been one of the biggest names in sports this entire year. And is looking to see if she can snag that elusive championship that's eluded her during her career. Regardless of who makes it to that final game of the tourney, though, one thing's for certain. It's going to take the most talented people like the two I just mentioned working together to help these teams play at a high level. If you're hiring, you want the most talented people on your team to help your business go to the next level. How do you find them? ZipRecruiter. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Gojo. ZipRecruiter uses matching technology to score excellent candidates for your job. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's powerful technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And once you review your list of the most qualified candidates for your job, you can easily invite your top choices to apply, so they're more likely to apply sooner. Pick ZipRecruiter to help you build a winning team. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Gojo. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash Gojo. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Dad, before we take a look at what happened in Major League Baseball last night and Jose Altuve continuing to do incredible things in the postseason. There's one particular number that jumped out for me now as he reaches a a point late in his postseason career that I thought was pretty compelling. But this Jim Harbaugh, Michigan sign ceiling stuff that we've been talking about here, 
overall, and we said, we're going to have to wait to find out how deep the rabbit hole goes here, right? If it's something where they end up using electronics to steal signs, I think that might venture far enough into impropriety where people right, might actually right. feel a certain way about it. But on the surface, Dad, does this change any of how you receive Michigan's recent success in this team? Again, Stallions, the retired uh, Marine Corps captain, joined the team in May of 22. So before last season, the one, one of the seasons where they made it to the college football playoff, would it change any of your perception of Michigan's recent success? Well, listen, no, knowing a team's signals certainly is going to help you. Uh, make no mistake about that. But listen, this has been going on in some sort. Again, not not illegally when we would do it on game day. I mean, you, you sit there and you look at signals coming in. Now they have the transmitters, obviously, in the helmets. But before that, you know, you you would pick up signals. You would whether in in the huddle or on the sidelines. And I, and I know we played teams, that, and I played against guys who said we would change, or you hear words at the line of scrimmage, right, that teams change. So is it incumbent upon the team to change their signals up, or how far does it go to make you say, okay, this is, this is an unfair advantage? You know, they're saying going to these places, you can't go to another stadium and film, and that was, as you mentioned, for budgetary reasons. To be able to have the signals, if you get them what is deemed illegally by going to a stadium that you're not allowed to be in and filming just what's going on with the signals and deciphering those. Yeah, I mean, that that's step in the line. There's no doubt about it. Um, it could it help you in a close game? Certainly. Is it going to help you when you're that much better than the teams you're playing? Not really. It's not going to happen. But I could see where in close games, if hell, if you have any inkling of what to play in, which again is what a game plan is for, that's what you break things down for. But if you could actually decipher the play, yeah, I mean, that that certainly would be an advantage, right? You're lined up against a defense, and, and we basically know what the play is going to be because that's the one advantage you guys have. You know the snap count and the play, right? We don't know the snap count, and we don't know the play. We have an idea based on down and distance of what the play may be, but now we know the play. Yeah, I, I, I would say that that kind of evens the box score a little bit. It, it does. The thing I would say is, and maybe this is just the cynic in me, is I always assume they're not the only ones doing this. Oh, like agreed. usually when yes. we've got any of these elaborate yes. schemes that are involved in finding the edge in the game, you can assume that most of the high-level competitors inside this sport, especially with the massive size of college football staffs now at some of these big universities, there's people who are absolutely combing through for some of these finer details here. I mean, how deeply college football this whole headline sounds, by the way, that this retired member of the Marine Corps moved to uh, moved to Ann Arbor in January of 22, said he purchased a house and rented out each of the bedrooms on Airbnb while sleeping on the couch to pay for his travel to Ann Arbor to serve as an off-field analyst for Michigan, like a retired Marine Corps yeah, member yeah. serving as an off-field analyst whose job is to try and steal signs is the most powerfully college football headline and thankfully one that's a little bit more innocuous that I've heard in a while yeah. But I guess that's the reason it doesn't taint the perception so much for me is because I assume most people are doing some version of this. Again, right. it's just that Michigan for so long publicly has been the school that has acted like they're above any of the impropriety that goes on around the rest of college football. If you didn't know, in fact, 
yeah, you were going and rolling up your sleeves a lot like everybody else, maybe not paying for players the way that you deem distasteful, but right. in a way like this that absolutely, to your point, can have an effect in the on-field product. So a Big Ten source, again, a source, said this is worse than both the Astros and Patriots. It's both use of technology for a competitive advantage, and there's allegations that they are filming prior games, not just in-game. If it was just an in-game situation, that's different. Going and filming somewhere you're not supposed to be, it's illegal. It's too much of an advantage. What in your mind is crossing the line? When, when are you saying, okay, that's, that, that shouldn't be done? Yeah, I mean, if they're filming another team like that, I mean, I know the electronic sign stealing is more about the communication to the team, that direct line there. But if you're in a place you're not supposed to be and you're filming their signs all throughout the game from the stands or something like that, that probably seems above the board. Call me old fashioned. But if you earn it just through memorization and sheer power of will watching more power to you, yeah, more power to you. And I, I know college, you know, so much of college is sign-based. You talked about the radio and the helmets of the NFL. People see it in games, and I feel like it's been talked about on broadcast so much. But you look down on the field, and we used to call we used to call them, you know, our little sideline quarterback army, where you've got all the quarterbacks wearing the red hats down there, right? And you'd have three guys down on the sideline, and a lot of offenses doing the different hand signals. And even with that, there's gamesmanship. You've got three guys, and only one of them is live, mm-hmm. and only the guys on the field know which guy is live and actually do the hand signals for that particular game you've seen teams go about this doing those big cardboard big signs pictures, on the sideline yeah. <laughs> where in any given week there's four pictures and only one quadrant of that is the one you're actually getting the play from and the rest are dummies there so all of this is already in place to try and counteract this like they wouldn't do that if people weren't out here trying to steal signs that's the whole point Jesse, is you've had people constantly trying to look for this. And so teams built into what you already do. Like that was that was 2008 to 2012 we're talking about here. Well, and before we'd have any sort of like advanced ways that you could go about this now. Do you guys understand how funny that is? Like, I don't yes. think you, oh, yes. I, I mean, do yes. you, do you understand how funny that is? Cause I feel like guys, this is a generalization, but guys like make fun of girls for like astrology and stuff. Meanwhile, you guys are down on the football field and you're like, all right, one of these guys is live and we got a bunch of people doing their little hand signals and like, it's hysterical. It's <laughs> it so does funny. seem ridiculous. Yeah. It does seem ridiculous. And for those that are, are saying, why can't you send a person to scout the next opponent in stadium. And again, this was a rule made for budgetary reasons, not even for what we're talking about. This rule was made for saying it would be unfair if some schools had the budget to do it and other schools don't, you know, because what happens, the scouting that goes on in college is you get tapes, film, video, whatever, from a team's previous X amount of games that you can watch now that's available everywhere. That's that's how you scout the next opponent. You're not you're not allowed to send somebody to where where that happens in the NFL. There's there's scouts that go and watch your next opponents and stuff like that. That's obviously allowed, but in college it's for budgetary reasons, which is amazing. Yeah, and I mean, listen, in college, that film they send, you can't really see on the side. No, 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 you cannot. Signal. Right, and right. on the TV copy, they don't have it trained no. down there. So I'm sure part of that rule was also, hey, in the background, <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We don't want these guys to be able to see the signals, but budget stuff, hey, go for it. Uh, but no, Jesse, I fully acknowledge how ridiculous all of this is. Incredibly. Looks. You've got yes. grown men in costumes doing yep. I mean, we see all the time, too. 
you get so deep in the forest and sort of lose the trees during the season. And that's how we usually end up with those like deeply inappropriate sideline signals that guys are sending the plays in <laughs> that get caught and aggregated by Barstool. And then coaches have to apologize yeah. for going out there and milking their breasts when they're trying to say that they're milking the clock at the end of the game or doing something like that. So, yes, it's a patently absurd sport at every stop along the way here. But it is one that, yeah, Dad, I, I think to answer your question about what would feel over the line, to me, actually videotaping, all of this is flirting with it. But again, I assume everyone is going some version of over it, yes. the line with this. But that's the one that always seems like the easy place in the sand to draw it, which is, all right, if you've got a catalog of all these people's opposing signs and you can not only see it on the TV copy and try and discern some from that because we get sideline shots of those guys. But if you've got down in, down out looks that then you can have someone on these massive staffs pouring over all week so you can glean that little bit of an edge. You're right. For the majority of Michigan schedule, really the last couple of years doesn't really matter. But when nope. you get to the big time games at the end of the season and you've had a long time to look at this and now an opposing team has got to spend time and bandwidth in their week changing up the signs even exactly. more than they already would or masking that even more than they already did in the system we described, that becomes something that at the very least, and again, it, it's all minimal relative to what goes on in the field, but really you're forcing is. them to use bandwidth that could have otherwise been allocated elsewhere. To your point, bottom line is they're not alone, and we know they're not alone, okay? They're not, but here we have Harbaugh involved in all this again. If, will it cost him another three games? Who knows, because he's denying everything. <laughs> Whether you're hosting game day or movie night, DiGiorno knows that planning a watch party on a budget isn't easy. You need the perfect setting, the perfect squad, and the perfect eats. Luckily, you're a game time mastermind, and you know that grabbing DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza can bring home a dub because it's packed with half a pound of cheese, sauce, and other toppings and comes at an incredible price. Make the game-winning call and grab a DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza from the grocery store today. It's not delivery, it's DiGiorno. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Guys, Arizona just made things interesting against Philadelphia. Last night, made it a series. D-backs taking game three, 2-1 win. Cattell Marte with the walk-off hit in the bottom of the ninth to give Arizona their first win of the NLCS. And Diamondbacks manager Troy Lovello talked about Marte's heroics after the game and what it meant to everybody. He's just got an unbelievable heartbeat. Um, he loves he loves to be in that moment, and you know uh, he he is one of our best players for a reason. And um, I thought the whole the key to that at, that that inning was was Perdomo walking and handing it off to Cattell. Um, but Cattell thrives in that situation. Um, he just has a heart of a lion. He wants to get the job done and and be the main guy to help his team win a baseball game. Cattell's Cattell's amazing. He. he he can do that in his sleep. So um, having Cattell and all those guys, they're going to start getting hot, and we're going to be a dangerous team for sure. Guys, the Phillies' bats finally went cold. We didn't think it was possible. We didn't think it would happen. Uh, I, let me tell you one of the one of the cool things out of this. So I, I'm here in Arizona, and the reason I'm here is DraftKings opened up a sports book at the Scottsdale TPC. You know, it's a pure like twelve thousand square feet. You know, food. It's like a it's like a sports bar on steroids, where you can obviously make your wagers as well. You know, with the DraftKings sports book, and Larry Fitzgerald was there, and he made a bet. I think 
John Rahm doing the WM, you know, when it comes up here in February. And there was a councilwoman here who who put down, I think, 20 bucks on the Diamondbacks to win. And she hit. <laughs> she, there we go. You know, because everybody that's going like, come on, the Phillies are they're knocking the ball all over the place. And she's obviously brought her, she brought her Diamondback hat and went and made her bet. And I was like, damn, she pulled that one off. That was pretty impressive. By the way. The building is impressive. So anybody, I was just going to ask if this I is mean, right next to. So we went to. I'd never been to waste management before last yes, year, and we got yes. told, "Hey, this is where they're building the facility." You were there for the groundbreaking before in this. December. How yes. often are you going to be over there now? Because peeling oh. back the curtain on this, there is no two people on this earth that enjoy a good night of gambling more than my parents. If you are in Scottsdale or near South Bend where they are at any given time, you're going to see them at the casino more often than not. Yeah, I mean, it is. Like I said, you can go in. The, the TVs are ungodly. There's drinks, there's food, and then there's you could go make your wager as well. It, it, like I said, 12,000 square feet. They turned the first shovel of dirt in December, and this bad boy is up. Wow. You know, right, right, right by the Champions course, right across the street from the stadium course. It is fantastic, and you are absolutely right. Now I can eat, drink, and make a wager. So you never I'm have good. to leave. Never have to leave. Oh, Everything fantastic. You need. Yeah, but she hit thing. it. She hit it. What well, a win for Arizona! I mean, the all the hot bats for the Phillies, and the only run they get is on a wild pitch. That you mentioned getting a hit, uh, Cattell Marte. This is an incredible yeah. stat has six of Arizona's 17 hits so far in the NLCS. It's tied for the fifth highest percentage of a team's hits through three game in a playoff series all time. He's got 35% of their at-bat production, does he, in this series so far for the Diamondbacks. And so that bat getting hot, Dad, it's going to have to be something like that to help turn it around because on the other side, we know the Phillies have been peeling the skin off the ball. Yeah, I, I just, listen, it was a nice win for Arizona. I just, I don't think they can pull off this series. I just think Phillies are a better team. I don't think those bats are going to stay quiet for the entire series. And we know what we always talk about. You're only as, you know, momentum is next day starting pitcher, blah, blah, that whole sure. thing. I, I just think overall Philly's a, a better team and the bats will, they just have too many guys. It's not like we just talk about one guy. We're talking about a handful of guys for the Phillies who have been hitting the ball well. So I just see that eventually taking over, but out here in Arizona is a great win for the Diamondbacks. Uh, so just, just to, you know, to stay in this series. By the way, speaking of being out there in Arizona, I don't know what the ramifications of this are, but I got a text from my mom yesterday, and all it said was to ask Dad about the outside couch cushions oh my at the God. house in Arizona. What did you do out here besides I mean, go and start hey, placing bets at the sports book? Listen, you would have been in my shoes, my man. So we're, we stay here six months out of the year. So when we leave, we kind of put everything inside. So I take all the cushions and, and and we have a lot of chairs and couches. You know, you're in Arizona, so you have a lot of outdoor furniture. Everybody does everywhere. Yeah, right? you're rich. We get it. No, no, no. I mean, it's outdoorsy. Yeah, so I congrats. don't care where the house is. Oh. There is outdoor furniture. We have to happen to have a lot of it. And so I take all the cushions in and put them into one room. And since I was out here doing this for DraftKings, I thought, you know what? We're going to be back here in a couple of weeks for good. I'll take the cushions out. Mike, Jesse, I walked into this room. I looked at the pillow, uh, at the cushions. I said, I don't know where the hell they go. I mean, there's so many chairs and couches. I don't know which goes where. I FaceTimed my wife probably five to six times. She says, it's just like a puzzle. Start putting them in there and you're going to figure out where it goes. I'm like, 
I got so frustrated. I, I thought I had extra, I thought I had extra cushions. I literally FaceTimed her and I said, look, I have everything out there and there's extra cushions. She said, do you think I'm pulling a prank on you? Do you think I bought extra pillows just to mess with your mind? She said, they all fit somewhere. I'm not there. It's tough to do over FaceTime. Just mix and match. You got to figure this thing out. And eventually I did because I'm smart enough to do that. Or we could say I have a man brain and it took me way longer than it should. But Boy, there's man. so many pillows. Then there's the then there's the little pillows, Jesse, that you put next to the decorative, cushions. The decorative I left I left them in the room because as many cushions as there are, there's double those decorative stupid pillows that I don't know where the hell they go. So I said, screw it. I'm leaving those in the room and she can deal with them when she comes back. It took me way longer to put that puzzle together, uh, and I was exhausted, absolutely exhausted afterward, and I never want to have to do it. I'm going to label them. Do you think it would make sense to write magic marker on the bottom of them don't to where that. they go? I wouldn't Please do God, that. Please, God, don't do I that. Don't do that. I, I wouldn't write on your life enough. We sure? Yeah. I wouldn't I started write on the to, So I, I already did on a couple. you think that was bad? You did not. No, there's no, no way. Oh, I was like, <laughs> I, I was like. He's I'm, not going to have to do anything that he Listen, hasn't been told expressly I, to do by my Jesse, mom. Jesse, if I, if I did that when my wife got here, I wouldn't have that hand anymore. Let I, me just say that. I will say, being a homeowner, there's so many weird things that you have to start to figure out. I'm a first-time homeowner, moved into my house in February, and like I just got a... My neighbor was like, oh, you need to get your windows cleaned. You know, like you have to pay somebody to come clean all yeah. your windows and wash your house. That's well, a you thing? Need, like give it a bath. Well, well <laughs> you get your well, that's more before well, you paint it. You get your house kind of power washed before you paint it. You don't just or you just power house. washing in general, man. No, I ain't doing there that. Are, there are, well, I mean, let's put it this way: not power washing the house, although sometimes power washing the siding. But in general, any excuse to use the power washer, phenomenal, I am phenomenal. Going one of the greatest the things ever. And power yeah. washing yeah. used to be one of my favorite pastimes. Starting off in the spring, I feel like in the realm because this dad that you've described is. One of the downsides of being a homeowner. This oh. is like the elevated version of the throw pillow conversation. The throw when pillow you're is horrific as well. That's I mean, a so, terrible situation. So that's the other thing out here. So I've been out here for a few nights. The throw pillows do not go back on the bed until I leave today. Right? Right. I mean, there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. I'm the only one here. I'm not making the bed and putting the throw pillows back oh. on each day when I'm the only one here. They are on the floor and they've been on the floor and, and I'm not apologizing for it at all. So you don't make your bed all the way. Jesse, do you make your bed all the way each day? Like right now, you said your husband's away on business. Do you get up and make the bed with all the throw pillows? So let me tell you something. My master bedroom that my husband and I sleep in, we don't have throw pillows because I think they're stupid. I think Good they're wow. stupid. Good for you. Good for you. An pillows. innovator. Okay, but that's like the, it's like the joke where it's like your parents think that someone's going to come into your house for like a dinner party and then like run into all the bedrooms the and like room. look I in the bathroom. <laughs> like your master bedroom is for, it's your primary bedroom is for you and your significant other. And nobody else is really going in there. So why do I need the throw pillow? For me? Because it's not for me. Because I don't want to put them back on the bed. I try this all wow. the time, Jesse. It doesn't work. I mean, for that, I say the same thing. Who's coming in and looking in our bedroom? But you know what? It doesn't matter one bit. 
I end up putting the throw pillows back on the bed, just like I'm going to do before I go to the airport today. Yep. And you wow. better put Love it in you the right Han. place. Love you, Han. Yeah. I was going to say, according to my mom, every square inch of the house is set for judgment every time someone is getting ready to come over that is not in our family right now. Jesse living in 3023 with How her decision making. Coming yeah. up next, though, let's talk to another Arizona resident, Terrell Suggs, Arizona State's very own, stops by as he gets set for his Ravens ring of honor enshrinement this weekend. The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn five bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. That means as we lurch towards March Madness, you can try and figure out who's gonna win this whole thing. On the men's side, teams like UConn, Houston, and Purdue. On the women's side, South Carolina, Stanford, the Lady Irish in Notre Dame, or maybe Caitlin Clark's Iowa Hawkeyes finally get over the hump. Make the decision for yourself and head over and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code GOJO when you do. New customers can bet 5 bucks and get $150 instantly in bonus bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code GOJO, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY, that's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. We have plenty more to get to on this show. It is Friday, so we have an acrostic that's going to be coming your way. Each week, we have to Google what acrostic means, but we do remember what it is. There's a poem. I meant to bring a cool hat. Um, I did forget the hat, so unfortunately, I will, I will try to remember next week to bring my hat for the acrostic. Um, but guys, before we get to all that, Terrell Suggs, guy who hardly needs an introduction here, but I'll give him one anyway. Drafted 10th overall in 03 by Baltimore. The dude was NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year in 2003. NFL Defensive Player of the Year in 2011. Seven-time Pro Bowler, two-time Super Bowl champion. Doesn't get better than that. And he joined the fellas earlier this week to talk about his illustrious career, the Ring of Honor, and how his Ravens and Lamar Jackson are faring this year. All right, very exciting weekend and very exciting opportunity for us to get to talk to our next guest. You guys know him, Super Bowl champion, former first-round pick of the Baltimore Ravens, Terrell Suggs of Ball So Hard University joining us now here. What's going on, man? How you doing? What's happening? What's happening? What's going on, man? Not too much. I guess first off, congratulations. It's a big weekend. <laughs> Going into the Ravens' Ring of Honor, what's this week been like in the lead up to that? Man, it, it's been crazy. It, it's definitely been crazy, man. I'm getting all the calls now and, and going over the schedule for it. Like, you know, when they told me I was going in, I was like, oh, I was excited, but I thought it was a, a long time away. But here we are, the week of. Um, it, it's been a crazy week. 
I tell you what else is, is wild is looking at others in the ring of honor and how many are your teammates, your guys you played with. I mean, yeah. it is a who's who and just an incredible crowd. It, it's got to make you kind of, I don't know how often you do it, but look back and on fondly on those days and those teammates. All, all, all the time. All the time. I say it all the time. Like we say, we, we let a lot of uh, championship teams walk out the door. You know what I mean? And, you know, the Peter Bull where the, the the Jonathan Ogden, you know what I mean? Jamal Lewis. Like, we it, – it's a slew of people we had on those teams, man. And it was just like, wow. And it just goes to show, like, uh, the genius of Ozzie Newsom. So, along those lines, the game is different now in the fact of how off-seasons are treated, even training camps, no two-a-days. And, and when you were playing, you were – there was still – and I don't mean this in a bad way. It always comes off that way. But there was hitting in training camp when you yeah. got in the league. So – and just with the teammates that we're talking about that you had, talk for a minute about those practices and just you're playing against the best and when actual hitting was going on, what those were like. Man – those were some of the best days ever. And like I said, I, uh, when I got drafted to Baltimore, my football like destiny changed. It was like I was going to a the a defensive powerhouse with the, arguably the greatest defensive player ever. And, um, you know, we had the greatest safety ever. You know, we had Peter Bowler, Dallas Thomas, Kelly Gregg. Like we had, we had, we had a lot of ass kickers on that team. Man. <laughs> like it's flattering, like to like, you know, be considered in that group, you know what I mean? And like, the, you know, Ravens of all time. I mean, you coming out of college were one of the best players in the country. You were a top 10 pick, like all these things. But walking into that, you mentioned looking up and seeing Ray Lewis and all these guys. Did it take you a while to feel like, all right, no, I'm one of these guys. I belong in this group. Or was that seamless for you? No, it, it took a minute. Um, they just, they played a different brand of football and they're going to find out really re- – they're going to find out fast if you're a Raven or not. And um, fortunate for me, like I said, I had I had, I had had very good vets, you know what I'm saying, older guys that kind of like showed me the ropes and showed me how to do things the Raven way. And um, Rex Ryan was huge for me. Mike Patton was huge for me in my transition. So it's like when you come there, it's like everything you think you did in college, throw that out the window because when you come here, you're going to work and you're going to do everything. So, so so everyone talks about that welcome to the NFL moment. Do you remember your moment where you're like, all right, I'm a Raven now, Was it, whether it was in practice or in a game? Um, yeah, it was uh, my first game. It was against the Steelers, and I got a sack. You know, first game out against your rival, and you get a sack. You know what I mean? Like, you make a play in that game. Um, that's when I was like, all right, I can uh, – I'm, I'm here. You know what I mean? I'm in the big league on, on the best defensive team ever. And uh, like man, it, it it was it was a good time. It was a really good time. So I, I I talk at times about the Eagles defenses that I was on, and I was lucky to be a part of them. I was not part of the greatness of the Reggie White, the Clyde Simmons, the Jerome Brown, the Seth Joyner, Eric Allen, and those guys. But mm-hmm. what I do remember is going on the field and the confidence level. of a defense when there's players like that. So take people down on the field when you guys went on the field and just that exuding that confidence level. I mean, look who our leader was. Like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) green confidence. You know what I mean? He he was definitely, you know, he believed in himself. And not only that, he got us to believe in ourselves too and that we all going to be out here playing together and doing our thing. And, like, that was the the most fun part about it was to kind of, like, follow Ray's lead, you know what I mean? And and when you got that confidence like that, you can 
like a lot of a lot of teams we we be, we beat with our reputation. You know what I mean? It was just like, oh man, these, these boys coming in here to hit. That gold jacket is is that something? Now I know when you're in the backyard as a kid, we always think about making the big play that wins the Super Bowl. But huh. now, when the season, when the career is over, you're going in the Ring of Honor for your team. Do you let the thoughts of the of the Hall of Fame creep into your head about going in there? I I, I try not to. I try not to. You know what I mean? It's uh, I, I've heard horror stories about <laughs> you know what I mean guys waiting on their turn to get into the Hall of Fame. So I. I try not to – I don't want to expect anything. And, you know, as my eligibility date comes closer and closer, you see the guys that's going in this year, guys that I played with against. It's just like I try not to, but it's looming. He's there. But I hope I make it, but I don't want to be too disappointed if I don't make it on the first ballot. You know what I'm saying? But let's just hope. Let's just hope and pray and uh, I don't get one of those those horrible – stories to tell y'all where I didn't get the knock on the door the first time. Somehow I feel pretty good about your chances, yeah, but we'll, we'll send the so. good, we'll send the good vibes your way on I that. Hope so. we'll, we'll hope that's the case. I, I thought of you the other night when one of the primetime football games was going on, Justin Pugh had come back in and they did those highlight reel headshots for when they're introducing the guys in the game. And he said, Justin Pugh straight off the couch. For you, Ball So Hard University, I had the sweatshirt in college. Like, I remember the movement. Where did Ball So Hard University come from? How'd you start doing that? Well, you know, like, uh, Sunday Night Football was huge about your intros. And, like, a lot of times I just did, like, my kids or or my high school. And I was like, I want to come with something different. And, you know, Jay-Z and, and Kanye had that song, Ball So Hard. And, uh, and I was just thinking that it just came out. And it, it, it had wheels of its own. Yeah, it sure did. Definitely grabbed yeah. a life of its own. The game today, looking at the Ravens today and one of the most electric quarterbacks in the league and Lamar Jackson, when you look at the game today and you see these quarterbacks that they're now coming from college and actually getting to use their skills from college and not being forced into kind of an NFL quarterback thing, what do you think of the game today? And you haven't been out that long, but still some of these quarterbacks and their ability to move around. Man, they, I, I'm not sure I would have 139 to <laughs> chase uh, quarterbacks like Lamar around all the time. Like, I used to have to tell them in practice to slow down because we used to guys that couldn't run, you know, the Peyton Mannings and and the Toms. They couldn't run, you know what I mean? But these kids, they lightning fast. They, I was like, I'm not going to pull a hamstring trying to chase you in practice. So uh, it would be a nightmare, but – they're, they're, they're kind of becoming a hybrid. They like want them to kind of like let not be a scrambling quarterback, and they're doing it. But when they need to get out of trouble, they they could do that too, it's dangerously with their legs. You mentioned uh, the change in style at quarterback. There's someone who's navigated all that change around. That has been John Harbaugh, who's been the coach of the Ravens for so long now. What's the key do you think to his longevity? Why has he lasted this long there? Because he's winning, and, and <laughs> Lamar Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't. It doesn't hurt to have a, a, a MVP quarterback. So, but as long as they're winning and you know uh, at least getting into the playoffs, you know they go, he's gonna have a job. So, uh, we really appreciate the time, man. Congratulations. Enjoy the weekend, and uh, I'm sure it'll be exciting to be back around there and see a lot of familiar faces. It will be. Thank you guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, man. Appreciate it.
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.